This is Tending Seeds, and I'm your host, Sarah, talking to you about homesteading, gardening, and herbalism. Hey friends, hope that March is wrapping up well for you here and that you're getting your gardens going or at least getting some of those seeds started indoors. I know here it's a little mix of both, uh, getting things started indoors as well as direct planting some things. More on all that later. I think it's time to do a little farm update episode here pretty soon. But today, what I have for you, I'm really excited to share this interview with Brittany, who is one half of Sun and Soil Farm over in North Carolina, not too far from me. I've been following Brittany for several years now on Instagram. We've kind of gotten to know each other a little bit, seen each other's projects, and just the growth of our own endeavors. She's someone I really have a lot of respect for. I love the journey that she and her partner have been on with this farm um, and just, you know, talking about the difference between, you know, maybe not being financially quote unquote rich, but still living a rich life. And that's kind of what we dive into here today. We're also really talking about the farm finance kind of side of things, which I think is something that really should be talked about more often. People get a little squirrely when it comes to talking about money, but I think it's really great when we can be transparent about things like this and just talk about the realities of farming and what it takes to start a farm if you don't have access to, you know, say generational wealth to get that going for you or You know, what does it take in terms of if you're wanting to transition from working a nine to five job or some other job outside the home to then being able to farm full time? It's not an instantaneous process for most of us. So I think it's really great that Brittany is so transparent and willing to share this information with us as well as with her Instagram followers over the years. I really appreciate that. So we're talking about her own like uh, debt-free journey what the farm finances look like, the evolution of the farm over the past couple years, and kind of their hope for the future. We're also going to dive into some specific projects they've done, um, both at the market and how they're connecting with their customers, and then also specific projects they've done on their farm as well that I think are pretty exciting and cool. So yeah, uh, without further ado, I just wanted to kind of jump into it. This is kind of a longer interview for us, but I feel like it's really worth it. Brittany's great to get to know. I think there's going to be a lot of good info, and I just hope you all enjoy it. I'm here today with Brittany from Sun and Soil Farm. And Brittany, thank you so much for coming on the show. If you would just kind of introduce yourself, tell us where you are farming and a little bit about what you have going on, and we'll jump into it. Okay, great. Thanks for having me. First of all, I'm really excited to chat with you and just share what we're both up to. So my name is Brittany Peters. Um, I'm located in Madison, North Carolina, which uh, for those of you who don't know rural North Carolina, it's 45 minutes north of Greensboro. Um, My husband and I have a four acre homestead slash farm, and we are farming a quarter acre. So really small scale. Most of our properties wooded. So we only have a little bit of space to actually grow crops. So that's where I'm at. That's what we're doing. And we've been here for five years. Awesome. Yeah, I've been following, we've been following each other on Instagram for several years now. And so I've seen kind of everything you guys have worked through, even, you know, name changes for the farm and things (laughs) like that. It's been really great to watch your journey. I have found it really inspiring. Um, What do you guys have going on in terms of, 
we're um, just for the listeners, we're going to be talking a lot about financial stuff with farming today, which is something I think is often overlooked and not discussed Mm -hmm. enough. And so watching Brittany and Richard on like their debt-free journey and just being really transparent on their social media about like the farm finances, I have found really worthwhile to see. And so that's really why I wanted Brittany to come on today was to talk about that and some of her other projects. Um, So in terms of like income streams, um, I know you guys vended a farmer's market. I don't know if you're also like wholesaling anywhere or doing like a CSA or anything, or just like what kind of income streams do you guys have going on for the farm right now? Sure. So I have a full-time job. I work at a food co-op in Greensboro. So that's where the bulk of our income's coming from right now. Mm-hmm. Um, last year in April, um, Richard left his job and started just farming full-time. Um, and then... Aside from that, yeah. So we sell at a farmer's market. Um, We're there every week of the year. And then we sell some stuff when we have more than we can sell at the farmer's market. We sell to the food co-op that I work at. So it's kind of a perfect relationship to get to, you know, it's like a really great type of business to work for compared to like a big corporate grocery store because they're actually committed to working with small farmers. So it's, it's a great like relationship for me to have. And, you know, I could pick any job to have in the world. It would be working for a place like a food co-op. That's awesome. Yeah. And I know, like you mentioned, uh, Richard in April, being able to leave his job and go farming full time. I know that's a really huge step for you guys, something y'all were working towards. <laughs> and, and that was like a big celebration moment for, for both of you and for the farm um, to get to that place financially where you could afford to do that. Um you know, we don't talk, I don't think we talk about the financial side of farming enough. And, you know, there's this idea out there that it's not really quote unquote possible to mm-hmm. make money farming um, and to do it. And I think, but then we see folks like you doing like the debt-free journey um, and working towards that goal. And I think maybe um, just understanding that like, it's a process, like, yeah, you're not going to be able to just like quit your regular job and farm full time unless you maybe, you know, just have some secret money that we don't know about, you know, and, and somebody's like funding you. (laughs) Yeah. And people do start from different places. Um, whether that's having like generational wealth, someone giving them land, um, or maybe having a partner who has like a really high paying job that they're able to say, Hey, go off and do this. Um, and so I really appreciate that you guys are very transparent about talking about, you know, the fact that you guys, you know, previous years were both working off farm. Now Richard is able to farm, farm full time. That's a really big step. Um, is the goal for you to also eventually farm full time or what are you guys thinking for the future? Yeah, I think that's the long-term goal. Like right now. So we, we're really lucky in that, like the property that we have, we have the four acres and because we're like pretty rural is pretty affordable. So for our house, it was $82,000, which we took on as straight debt um, with the mortgage, with the goal of paying it off in five years. And thankfully we did it in four years. (laughs) Yes. That's awesome. So I've been able to see on Brittany's Instagram, um, she posts, um, pretty regular like updates to the mortgage, the, the $82,000 and, you know, she'll post like in her stories, scratching off and coloring in as they get closer and closer to paying it off. So I've been like eagerly watching this over the last couple of years. And so, yeah, so you guys did it in four years. That's yeah. And just so like people don't think like, or how we were able to do that. So for those years, like our 
combined income has been between 30 and $50,000. Mm-hmm. So we're not like out there making a hundred thousand dollars a year. Like I work at a grocery store <laughs> and Richard was working part-time at a gym or interning at a gym. Um, so it's not like we, you know, we're are just super wealthy and we were able to do that, but it's just by being really frugal is really been the trick to it. Like, um, so paying off the debt, that was like the big thing. That's why we knew that we were going to be done last year, which is why we were like, okay, Richard, like it's time for you to stop working. And then, you know, when you're in a relationship and both of you are working full-time jobs, it's really difficult to like actually see each other and spend time and just working him working full-time and me working full-time. And then our schedule's not lining up. Well, it's like, mm-hmm. we didn't actually have any time together and we were finally just in the position where it's like, you know what, like we can be even more frugal than we are now. Like, right. you know, we knew we, we hoped to break even last year on the farm and we got really close. Um, but it's like when you're set, when you're setting something up like that, it's like every dollar you spend, you're just putting right back into it. Like, it's really hard to be profitable like, the first year, but we knew that we could manage that uh, just with my full-time job. So that was kind of like the turning point last year is like, all right, one of us can do this now, but we have projects like for our home, like because we've been so frugal, like like, we haven't done anything to our house. Like we want a wood burning stove. We want to look into getting solar. So it's like, I need for now, it's like, if I can keep working uh, when we have just our car payments now, we can start to afford to set aside money for those projects. That's super exciting. And I know part of the visuals you post is also, um, yes, get, you know, that you got the mortgage paid off, but like you said, you've got the two, um, vehicles that you're working to pay off, but then you're also still putting money aside into savings, um, which is great for emergencies or like you said, those longer term projects like solar and things like that, to be able to start working towards saving up for that. And I think that's kind of one of those things with like farming and the lifestyle, um, that we've kind of chosen here is like, None of us are looking to get rich or expecting that we're going to get rich, but we are hopefully going to get to live a very rich life is what I tell people. And so, like you said, the, the, having the freedom to say, Hey, when we're both working these full-time jobs with conflicting schedules, this is impacting our relationship because we're not seeing each other. So instead figuring out, can we get by with less money so that then, then we get that time freedom back to be able to actually like interact with each other and have a relationship that's huge. Um, can you maybe talk more about that and like kind of that trade-off of like making less money, but getting that time freedom? Like, what does that meant for you guys? Well, mostly there's time for projects. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which, yeah. That farm you know, is its own it. relationship, right? <laughs> yeah. And just, you know, lowering the stress bar, like if you're just stressed out all the time and you you know, just rushing around trying, do I have food for tomorrow? You know, like mm-hmm. just that stress and pressure, it's like, it's not good. <laughs> and if both people in a relationship are really just like stressed out all the time, it's really not helpful when um, like working in a grocery store throughout COVID was kind of crazy. And, you know, the gym Richard was working at was closed during that. So he was home full time. <laughs> It was kind of just like my mental health support <laughs> during that process. He was just here. He had food ready for me. All I had to do was just like go to work and then come home and everything was done. And then we, that's kind of when we really saw the value of like 
only one of us working. I think it's like, that's like, you know, I guess kind of traditionally like the wife would stay at home and just take care of the household. But now it's like he he can help take care of the household. I do a little bit as well. But, you know, then he can manage the farm. I have more time to work on like homestead projects. Mm-hmm. And we just have more time to like more nights a week to make dinner together. You know, <laughs> like that, just, just that right there, just being able to like make dinner together and eat at home is yeah. a big luxury. And it's really important. <laughs> yeah, those things are huge. And, and, I totally get that. Like dinner to me is really important. Like I grew up in a household where like, no matter what we all had going on, like we, unless you were out doing something else or working or like we ate dinner together. Um, and that was like a key kind of pillar to my life growing up um, and to my partners as well. So like when we got together and we we're talking about kind of like, is this important? And we both were like, yes, this is super important to us to be able to eat dinner together. Um, he loves to cook as well. So like we, we cook together a lot too. And it's just, it makes such a huge difference. And, um, I'm in sort of like a similar situation where we both work, but like my job is remote right now. So I'm not working off farm. Um, Mm. but he is. And so kind of like that division of labor where it's like, well, I don't have to travel to my job, you know, just like, but there is a lot more stress and what you mentioned about like food and stuff, just like, do we make enough dinner to have leftovers for lunch and just details like that. Um, but then hopefully having enough time to like have a little fun and relax. Um, but, you know, and then also, you know, this whole like debt free journey, paying off mortgages, things like that, trying to pay off land. And it's like that farm is its own like big time investment and time sink. And so, you know, I don't have, even if I had the inclination or the energy, like I don't have the time to go spend my money elsewhere. Like there's no going out to bars and stuff like this, or even going out to eat at other restaurants, you know, most of the time. And, um, you know, that kind of makes it easy by default to save some money right there. (laughs) Oh, sure. Yeah. Like I'm really grateful we're so far away from everything because it gets rid of a lot of that temptation, you know, like I, it's a 45 minute drive into town for me to work, which is a long drive. So when mm-hmm. I get home, I'm like, I'm not driving anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> like, you're, not going, just, you're not turning around to go grab takeout somewhere. No. And there's, I mean, we're pretty like health conscious and pretty fussy about what we eat. Mm-hmm. So most of the things that you can get at like restaurants aren't as good as what we can make at home. Right. You know? So, and we eat, I mean, a lot of like our money or food savings is, we eat a lot of bulk food um, because I work at the food co-op. I can get like 25 pound bag, 50 pound bags of rice and beans and flour. And just, you know, most days of the week we eat oatmeal and rice and beans. Yeah. Simple stuff. And then supplementing that with, you know, what you're growing as well. And, you know, it's pretty great. I'm so ready for fresh, fresh vegetables. (laughs) (laughs) Winter is not nearly as exciting a food day as spring and summer when there's stuff outside that we can just walk outside and harvest and then bring in. For sure. Um, but speaking of those winter days, you mentioned the farmer's market that you all sell at is actually open year round. That's, that's pretty unusual. Um, I know a lot of farmers struggle with, you know, you're kind of trying to make enough money during that, like May to October season or whatever months, you know, a market is open. Um, so what, what has that been like to kind of have, do you see like a pretty consistent, um, sales number each week, um, regardless of season or how does that look for you guys during the year? Sure. So the, 
yeah, we are really lucky. Our market is open year round. Um, we're in North Carolina, so it's not, you know, crazy winters here. There was a couple that got canceled because of snow, because it's just, it's dangerous here. <laughs> if there's even an inch of snow, <laughs> everything shuts down. People don't know how to down. drive in Tennessee either, <laughs> if there's any snow or even a hint of snow, so. Yeah, <laughs> but we, so one of the things like we knew like the first year that we, we've gardened, but we've never like grown commercially. Like we don't have that experience. We don't have like data and records and notes and things to refer back to, to like figure out all the planting dates. So we knew that we weren't, we were going to make a lot of mistakes basically. (laughs) We We all do, right? We kind of like jumped into it without a plan. Like we didn't have a crop plan really last year at all. So we knew that we were going to need something to help us. And when we lived in Chicago, we were part of a compost program. So it was like, you got a five gallon bucket, you filled it up and then you would take the five gallon bucket back to the people and get an empty bucket. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, we're already at the farmer's market every single week. We need a compost for our farm. Mm -hmm. So why don't we offer that service? There's so many people who live in apartments or they just don't want to fuss with the compost pile. And there's no like commercial or residential composting happening in Greensboro. Right. So we decided to do that. And we have been steadily growing that program. We were first like um, limited because we just had like the little Kia Soul. And you can only fit so many buckets <laughs> into a car <laughs> like that. So we, we started the program. Um, we took in like maybe 15 members, 15 households. Mm-hmm. And then we're like, okay, that's it. That's all we can do. And I'm like, but there's more people, like there's people asking every week that they want to join the program. Right. So we ended up getting a trailer, <laughs> like a big utility trailer. Nice. Uh, so we now are accepting more members and that's been a really good way for us to keep our income kind of at a steady rate. We're um, exchanging like 20 buckets a week at the farmer's market, which is nice because each bucket's five pounds. So we're like diverting at least a hundred pounds of food waste from the landfill every week. Yeah. That's amazing. Plus putting that back into your garden is, um, so I've seen people do this different ways, depending on like demand and kind of what the market will allow. Um, is this a service people are paying to be a part of, or is it, they're just bringing buckets back and forth or how, how is this working for you guys? Yeah. So it is a service that people pay for. So the way it works is we uh, get five gallon buckets and then we get the gamma seal lids, which are like the spin on lids, mm-hmm. which make it a way more pleasant experience. <laughs> using yeah, the if you've ever worked in a restaurant <laughs> trying to get, you know, pickle buckets open. That is not. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And it really helps like when the buckets inside your household, like in your kitchen, it traps that smell in. Mm-hmm. Uh, we put biochar in the bottom of every bucket, which helps absorb some of the moisture and odor. Um, as well as we like to add biochar into our compost bin. So it kind of helps us evenly distribute it because it's in everybody's bucket. (laughs) So as long as we're dumping them, it's like getting a nice layer. Um, So to join the program is $15 and that like gets the customer, they own that bucket then. Um, So if they just decide to stop, they can just keep the bucket or do whatever they want. We didn't want to do like a deposit sort of thing where we're having to like uh, deal with that. And then... Uh, so we only exchange buckets at the farmer's market because we're already there um, mm-hmm. for the four hours. Uh, so most of the customers are people who are already shopping at the farmer's market. And so when they bring their full bucket back to us, it's $3 for them 
the exchange for clean bucket. And nice. I think the one, the thing that's been tricky for some customers is they think that they're getting compost or they think like they're going to bring us an empty or a full bucket and we're going to bring them a bucket of compost. So that's been kind of a, a educational curve, just trying to okay. teach them like, this is really just to help you reduce what you're sending to the landfill. Uh -huh. And the compost is needed on our farm because right. otherwise we're having to spend a lot of money on compost. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like some people understand the concept and other people are like, so I'm just paying you to take my stuff. <laughs> right? And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's what this is. Cause it does take time to dump the buckets and clean them. Right. And you know, so it's, yeah, it's, add more biochar, bring them back each week. You have to have, you know, double the number of buckets as members. So you can do one in one out. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. You know, yeah. It's a lot to think about. And, and I saw the photos on your Instagram of like, um, trying to be as straightforward as possible and transparent. So you have, you know, the printable sheets on each bucket of like, you know, put this in, don't put this other type, type of stuff in, right. um, you know, yeah, there is some, yeah. to that. and you know, $3 a week, not really bad at all. Um, and, you know, Hey, maybe at the end of the season or midsummer around when other people are planting, you know, you can maybe offer that back to them of, you know, if you've been a member for a full year, you do get a bucket of compost back or some, something or get to buy a bucket yeah. or yeah. Right. Yeah. We really hope, I mean, we're, we're generating a lot of compost now, which is really great between the compost service, like our farm residues and then our chickens, mm -hmm. um, we're making like the compost we've always dreamt of making. <laughs> like we're finally making better compost than we can buy in, Beautiful. which is huge. Like, especially like just having stuff trucked here. Like most of the stuff that we can get is just like composted wood chips or composted like leaves. Mm -hmm. uh, we have found like one source that's like higher quality, but then it's, you know, $200 to have them drive it out here. Right. Right. Cause you're so far away. And, and I've had some pretty mixed experiences trying to get compost, um, at my previous land as well, where, you know, back then I even had a truck and so was going and picking it up myself. So, you know, saving money by doing the labor myself there, but, you know, I'd get it back home and I'd be trying to spread it around in my garden between seasons and finding like pieces of trash, pieces of plastic in it and things like that. Whereas, you know, if you're making it on your own and, and sifting it, you know, exactly what the mix is that you're getting, you know, exactly what did or didn't go into it. Um, yeah. So I think this is a really cool program. Like I kind of low key want to steal it cause I'm hoping to vend it a market this year also. <laughs> so I'm kind of yeah. like, this is awesome. Well, I think you should steal it. We were trying to get every, every farmer at our farmer's market to start their own little service because there are like a hundred thousand or more households in Greensboro. Right. We can't do a hundred thousand buckets a week. <laughs> like, yeah. And like you have no interest, gonna, like you would be a full-time yeah. composter. You wouldn't get to do any of these other fun things, right? That literally would just be your job. Right. We'd just day. be cleaning buckets. <laughs> yeah, who wants to do that all day? <laughs> yeah. So it's just, it's, it's such a like uh, additional source of income and then materials. And it really helps you like build relationships with your customers mm -hmm. because they're, you know, like they have to come to your table to swap the bucket and right. they're like, like your food waste is improving our soil and they were growing food in it. You know, it's just like, it's closing up that circle. Right. And I think it's helping, you know, like we didn't grow up on a farm. Like I didn't have a compost when I was a kid. Like I had no connection to any of this stuff. So the more like, kind of like you can layer this stuff, the more people like 
understand how all this stuff works and the importance of it. Because when you live in a city, like you don't really, <laughs> it's just not part of your everyday life. Right. Unless, unless your parents were hippies or you just, you know, had a community garden in your neighborhood. But I think it's just making like uh, people become more aware of their habits. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure people, you know, there's always kind of some pushback sometimes with folks at markets when they're like, well, I can get this cheaper at a, at a quote unquote regular grocery store. Um, but to maybe understand, have a better grasp of like the labor and all the inputs and stuff that they don't see, like that if you weren't doing this composting program, you would still need to be buying compost and bringing it in from an outside source. Um, you know, and that's money that you have to then factor into the price of your produce when you put it out on a market table. Um, and just, you know, there's so many little aspects of it, um, that I think people just aren't aware of. So I think it's great that, you know, you're doing this. It's also diverting that waste, you know, from just going into the landfill or into the trash or whatever. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, I like it because it's just such great, like function stacking right there. So it's, it's helping Mm -hmm. your farm. It's a little, it's a little bit of extra income for you guys. Um, you know, I'm sure once you factor in, you know, the $3 versus the time you spend, you know, cleaning the buckets, adding biochar back in, it's not a huge profit, but what it is help the money it's saving you not having to truck in compost and knowing, um, having better faith in like the compost you're making because it's being made by you guys to your standards. That's huge. Um, and like you said, it's fostering that connection with the people that are coming to your table. Now they're guaranteed they're coming to your market table every week, hopefully going to buy something as well. You know, Oh, I have to dig $3 out of my wallet anyway. Might as well buy a couple things while I'm here. Right. You know, and it's like what, what you just said, and I think you brought it up earlier is one of the things that, you know, with just bringing more light to like farming and like what it takes and what goes into it. Like one thing I do is every month I post our finances for the farm, yeah, <laughs> which is I, like, I wanted to talk about this. Yeah. This is huge. Yeah. Cause I, you know, people have all these ideas of what they think farming is or what's possible or like how much are these farmers making and like you know last year we you know barely broke even Mm -hmm. and if you think about that it's like you know 40 to 80 hours a week of labor (laughs) to like break even and you know I just I think it's really important and it's it's kind of taboo to like talk about money so openly and I think that's why a lot of people don't do it either who knows why, just because it's, it's kind of uncomfortable and it's kind of, even for me, it's kind of awkward and weird, but in uh, food co-ops, there's open book finance is something that's pretty important. So that's kind of where I've came at this from is mm-hmm. like the food co-ops I've worked for have all been open book. Um, that means that like anybody in the organization can see what's happening financially. Everything's just posted transparent out in the open. That's awesome. um, yeah. And I, I think that for me, it's really important to just share that and just put it out there so people can see. (laughs) And sometimes it's like, oh, people are going to feel bad for us because like we are just not making it enough or I don't know, but I think it's, I think it's really important and there's something to it. And I think it's also like people, you know, this year, hopefully (laughs) we're going to do much, much better. And I think you get a lot of people like cheering you on. Like if you're like just putting everything out there and there's no like 
question of what's going on or like what you're spending your money on, like how the financial health of things are, then like I, people are just like, even our customers who like do follow us online, they're like, oh my God, like they'll just bring it up with us. Like I saw that you guys had a really good market, you know, like last year um, in fall, we did our first market where we made like, I think it was like $550 in one market. And like, just being able to share that, it's like, it's a yeah. little weird though. Cause people are like, why are you talking about how much money you're making? Like, I think it's but- so important though. And, and like you just, I was actually going to say, like, I find myself cheering you guys on, like, as you get like, you know, because obviously at the start of the year, money is not really coming in, um, at a very steady pace. And, you know, at least you guys do have a market, a lot of farmers, they're just in the negative at that point in the year, getting stuff in the ground, you know, input seeds, infrastructure, soaker hoses that need to be fixed. You know, it's, oh yeah, it's, the money's all going one way. Um, <laughs> and so, and then month after month, as you start updating those tallies, it's like, yeah, I'm totally cheering you guys on being like, when are we going to hit that break even point? When are we going to start oh. you know, turning the profit? When you share about having like a really great market week, you know, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not even there to be a customer for you guys. And I'm still like, so excited for you. Um, have you gotten, I, I know money is sort of like this taboo thing to talk about, but again, I feel like it's so important, especially in this particular industry. Like, have you guys gotten any like pushback or like negativity for sharing that? No, we haven't. I think it's more of like, kind of sometimes an internal struggle mm-hmm. of like, when you're sharing it, it's like how you ask, like, how is this going to be perceived? Like, you know, especially with like talking about like our debt-free journey, like that, you know, we are very privileged. Um, we grew up more fortunate than a lot of people. And so when you're talking about this really openly and you're like, okay, we paid off our mortgage in four years and that can come across as like really braggy or like trying to rub it you know, it kind of, it can come across really. But I think it's important to point out though, that like the mortgage you guys got, you're 45 minutes from town. You know, you made choices to get a a much smaller mortgage. You know, I I think you'd be hard pressed. You know, I live near Nashville, which like the real estate market there, like many parts of the country is super wild right now. Um, I can't even imagine anything being available for $82,000. And so you know, you guys made a very specific choice to like get something within your means that you felt would be attainable. And then like, you, you know, I don't feel like it's bragging to say you paid off your mortgage because you know what sacrifices you made, um, all the movies you didn't go see the restaurants you didn't go out to, you know, choices you made in order to, to make that exchange. Um, I, I always, it comes across to me as very positive that like you're sharing it because you want to, hopefully inspire others that are maybe on the sim- a similar journey or wanting to be on a similar journey to know that it is possible. So to me, like, it doesn't feel braggy at all. It feels like very affirming and inspiring to go, okay, these folks worked their butts off and they managed to do this. And now like, look at their lives. They're getting that time freedom back to be able to live a very, uh, you know, rich life within their means that they're super happy with. So that, I mean, that's why I wanted to bring you on is because I, I feel like it's very inspiring. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I think though, it, I think most people do see it that way. And, you know, it is, you know, we, a lot of the like habits I have about like, you know, there's the whole community online, like debt-free journey, like if you look at the hashtag, like, so the 
like I'm sure we could like share a photo of like our little thing on the wall where we like color in and like screenshotted it the other day I was gonna ask okay (laughs) yeah absolutely so I think like you know wherever you're at on this journey like if this is a journey you even want to be on because not everybody wants to be debt free but I think they should try to be because it really you know it's at the bottom of my little chart is that it's not money I'm after it's freedom exactly right so you know it's just like and the other like thing is like so spreadsheets are like who I am <laughs> like mm-hmm. I love spreadsheets so much like I will make a spreadsheet about anything for anything just <laughs> because you- I like <laughs> I like I'm making hoping- them <laughs> I do too. I'm obsessed and uh, I'm hoping to get him on the podcast. Also the person that runs this program. Have you heard of a farmer spreadsheet Academy? No, it's like, it's all like these super intense, like spreadsheets. Like this is where I first learned about like pivot tables and stuff in Excel (laughs) and just like planning out like crop rotations and like, um, kind of similar to what you guys have done of just like being very upfront about finances. Um, you know, that it's so important that, you know, a lot of times, whether you're going to turn a profit or not as a farmer, you know, our margins are pretty thin. It comes down to how organized are we about our data? Like, are we recording um, and figuring out like, you know, like you said, when you first got started, you didn't have that previous information from a past year for like a crop plan to go off of. And so like, you're building that every year is going to get better and better as you like fine tune that of like, here's what we're planting here's how many, you know, plants per row. Um, here's what we sell this for at market. Here's the potential yield and actually like tracking that and tweaking it from um, season to season and year to year. Like that's, you know, that's like the sink or swim to being a farmer comes down to, you know, a lot of computer time. We don't talk about how much computer time we have as farmers, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of, that is it. Like your margin is, I mean, you, <sighs> it's so complicated, like coming from working in a grocery store and like my, my role at the co-op is margin. Like I'm the store scan coordinator. So I'm doing pricing, I'm doing inventory. So like the skills I have acquired from working in a food co-op, just like literally are the same skills we need to run a financially secure farm business. Yeah. And, you know, so like last year we didn't have any sort of crop plan and then you know, Richard was just trying different things, taking notes. So we were keeping track of like what did and didn't do well, figuring out which varieties do well, figuring out like where the like lettuce grows really well during this specific time, Mm -hmm. how much on the edge can we do lettuce? Like, when is it not worth it for us to try and grow lettuce? Like, what should we be growing then instead? Right. So like figuring out like shoulder seasons and and crops and yeah. Right. Hard. And you know, what do people want to buy? What are the other awesome farmers at our market already selling? Mm-hmm. What are the things that we are interested in growing? What are the things that are really tricky for us to grow? You know, cause like things that are hard for us to grow, we just shouldn't grow them. Right. <laughs> like let's focus on the, like the things that we, you know, we can grow really well. Like we do a lot of herbs for dried tea. Um, because I love herbs <laughs> and herbs are basically weeds. <laughs> like they grow so much easier. Like you're trying to like fight off the caterpillars and beetles off your kale. And I'm like, but look at this holy basil. <laughs> like, right, it's doing this, great. <laughs> this only needs a haircut. Like that's the only labor <laughs> that goes into this is just cutting it and drying it. 
so just trying to find like those like you know with the compost service and then doing like herbal smudges with my friend Ashley like we make smudge wraps which are just beautiful and then you know (laughs) then sage isn't being over harvested in the desert like a lot of this stuff can be done locally it's going to be different than what you're used to buying at the store and it's like even the varieties that we grow like we've been getting more into like dandelion greens and just trying to find things that like uh, the other farmers at the market aren't focused on. Mm-hmm. So we can be the people with dandelion greens and we can have roselle hibiscus pods, which, you know, I just grow those for myself. And we took some to the market last year and we sold out of them. Like people were going crazy for them, not even like dried for tea, but just like they were going to dry themselves. And we took samples. we made roselle jam and just um, letting people try the jam. They're like, what is this? <laughs> you know, and just yeah. having, you know, we did bitter melons last year and we didn't really sell them very well because we personally did not like eating them. And we were just very transparent about how bitter they were, but it brought people up. They're like, what is that? Right. It's, <laughs> just- you know, a lot of times you can go to markets and like, if you walk past one table, you've kind of walked past them all. Like, you know, what's in season right now and, you know, no shade to those growers because we're all in the same boat here. We're all in the mm-hmm. same, you know, little microclimates and whatnot. Um, but yeah, when you can do something like that to make your table stand out or, you know, the value added products, like making the, making teas or, you know, that hibiscus jam, you, you know, that's the stuff that draws people in and, and, uh, you know, then you get them signed up for that compost, you know, program and they have to come back every week. Right. Yeah. And it's like the other great thing about the compost service is like those customers aren't just coming to our table, they're coming to the market. So it's a benefit to everybody who's vending at the market exactly. you know, and getting, getting those people like on those cold mornings where they have to come to swap their bucket right. and then they're going to shop the market too. Right. So it's, yeah. You know, I've it's never like, gone I always... to a market. Like anytime I go to a farmer's market, um, I want to go to every single table and if possible, I want to buy at least one thing from every table, you know, just like, yeah. Yeah. So you're right. And you know, that adage, you know, a rising tide lifts all ships. So, you know, and, and like you said, you know, you want everyone else to be doing a compost program too, because there's no way for you to serve a hundred thousand people in your area. Um, and those farmers they're plugged into different people, you know, it's a different set of people that follow them on social media that they can tap into and get them bringing buckets back and forth as well. And those people, they're going to wander around the market and maybe buy from your table as well. So, you know, it it helps everyone um, and it's diverting, you know, that waste from the waste stream as well. So, I mean, it's just a win-win all over. Yeah. I think the expression you just used, uh, rising tides lift all ships. That is one of my favorite like ways to think about things and like, you know, the same with like competition at the farmer's market, right? You're, com- you're competing with all the other farmers, but it's the other thing I like to remember is like, don't get bitter, get better. Right. You know, and so it's community over competition. Yeah, absolutely. It and wins every time. Yeah. The better our market is, the more customers, the more community we're going to attract to it. So I'm, I'm always trying, I help do some of the social media for our farmer's market and I'm just always trying to get all the vendors like, come on, like post great pictures. <laughs> like, let yeah. me create content so I can share. Yeah, please <laughs> you know? take good stuff because I want to show you off and get people out here <laughs> because they're going to come not just for your table, but for everyone's table. 
Yeah, Uh, indeed. Huge. Um, Okay, cool. So we've talked about the debt-free journey. We've talked about finances. Um, I also just kind of want to nerd out with you about some of the cool projects you've done uh, at your farm in the years I've been following you. Um, So listeners know, like I ended up moving in the past couple months. So the land that I was farming three years ago, I'm no longer on. Um, But last year I was getting ready to build a greenhouse and I was going to do the Anna White. Um, She posts these really great free plans for all sorts of woodworking and, and building projects. Um, and so I didn't get a chance to build it yet. I'm going to, but that's, I saw that's the same one that you guys built out at your garden. Can you talk about that and like what that has meant for you guys for farming and, and how that's impacted your growing abilities? Yes. So we, that was like the first big like project that Richard worked on. Um, he was off work during COVID and we got one of those checks, <laughs> the stimulus checks, and we were trying to figure out how we could best put that money to good use. And I, you know, we'd been growing seedlings inside, taking them in and out tw- two times a day, like people do, which is just insane and so aggravating, especially when you have trays and trays and trays. I'm still so love I that him, life. I feel you. <laughs> yeah. I told him I wanted a greenhouse and he, he was like, mm, I don't know. And I was like, look, here's this plan. Like this is, it tells you how to do everything. Like you can do this. And he's like, mm, I don't know. I was like, well, I'm going to see if I can borrow a miter saw from somebody. And one of my coworkers had one and he brought it to me the next day and I just brought it home and I was like, okay, I have the saw, like <laughs> time to get this going. And he, you know, we didn't grow up building stuff. Like we were becoming handy, but like we did not start out handy at all. And he built the greenhouse. Like it was pretty amazing to see like somebody like we've you know, done some like haphazard fencing and doorways and things like that before we've tried to build some like tables, but we didn't really have any like practical knowledge on how to do this. So by following the Anna White plans and then talking to my dad on the phone, and just trying to like, you know, adapt it though. Cause we're in the South where it's really hot. So uh, ventilation. Very, yeah. So we added in, uh, it's a, attic fan so like one of the exhaust fans for your attic so we added that into it Uh, we tried shade cloth also to help um but that didn't work at all it's really just circulation that matters is what we're realizing so having like a box fan at the front we you know we did some other modifications like the front door is a screen on ours and then we have this like piece of metal we can put over in the winter and then uh a month or so ago, Richard built a sand table. So yes. Like, I want to talk about that as well. Yeah. Tell us about that. That was so cool. Yeah. So the sand table is, it's four inches deep, a six, uh, Richard's here. It's six inches deep. And so you build like a wooden barrier and then you put plastic, you line it and then you get, um, insulation under, under the plastic as well. And then you, fill it up with sand and you put one of the heat cables that you would use to like keep your uh, roof unfrozen. Mm -hmm. You put that through the sand and then you keep the sand moist and it keeps a table like 50 degrees on cold nights, like when it's freezing outside and then, you know, it will get up to like 90 degrees during the day. So it's really good for germinating uh, seeds on it without having to use heat mats. And then it helps it just helps the entire greenhouse stay a little bit warmer. We are, we did end up getting, um, well, we have a little envy heater 
which okay. is like the, the heater we used in our tiny house, like back, back in those days. Um, we still have that and we use that in the greenhouse at night. Cause we, it feels pretty safe to leave that on overnight. Mm-hmm. And we're like very worried about things catching on fire, but we have one of the little Mr. Buddy propane heaters in there that will run when we're awake. <laughs> we don't like running that like at nighttime when we're sleeping, but the sand table has made a big difference. And then We've added a second shelf um, over one side of it because like that's the thing with greenhouses is like whatever your plan is, you should just go ahead and double it. You should make it (laughs) twice as big as you think you want it because it will fill up so quickly. Like if you we do transplants to sell and once you start potting things up, they start taking up so much space. So much room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then growing stuff for the farm itself and then growing, you know, things for myself, like all the fun little flowers and herbs and things that I like to have for my garden. Um, so it just fills up. I wish that's the one thing I would change. I would have made it way bigger, but we are really happy with how it turned out. Like we or we try, we do sometimes have to like use the polyplastic, like the clear thin plastic, just it's, it's really hard to grow out of season without that stuff. But I really didn't want a greenhouse that would have to be replaced every three years. And then all that plastic just be going to the landfill. That's what I liked about this plan also was because, yeah, yeah. I didn't want to just be doing kind of like the hoop house style where, it's just right. part of, it's just like the known thing of like, yeah, you're going to have to replace this plastic every two to three years. That just right. didn't sit well with me either. Yeah. You know, and it was, you know, and especially as well, like I have friends who have hoop houses and those style of greenhouses and all of them get destroyed by weather, either by wind, by snow, by this, by that, like ours has survived all of the storms and it might be more expensive. Like at the beginning, like it was made, I think it was like $1,700. And that was like, we had to buy gravel. We had to like, Mm -hmm. you know, do some things that the plan doesn't include. Like we had to get like six by sixes to like make a foundation that would be mostly level. But I realized like, that's why you really want things to be level is so water drains properly. (laughs) And we, we did pretty good but like if we that was that's the other thing like we we learned why <laughs> you really want things to be a hundred percent level mm-hmm. so if you are gonna build you know the Anna White greenhouse really make sure you get that bit right because yeah. <laughs> you know that yeah the water like if it's not perfectly level, level it will like drain down into the inside and it's it's okay. <laughs> like right. it still works fine. There's no problem with it, but that's one thing. Yeah. But it, it actually was a really simple construction and he was able to build that and it's lasted this long. It's been such a big game changer for us. Like the quality of seedlings we can grow now mm. is so much better than before when things would get leggy cause they were inside or just it's just also easier to not have to run in and outside twice a day. But yeah, it's a lot of time each day, like between the watering and the running stuff in and out and checking on stuff. And yeah, it's a big time investment. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to have the greenhouse someday, but yeah, you um, will. (laughs) Speaking of, you said that was a game changer for you guys. You just also recently added another one just in this past like week or so. 
talk to me about this walk-in cooler. Okay. So it's not built yet, <laughs> but, but it, will so be. We, it, it will be. Yes. <laughs> so I have one of my, um, kind of farming mentors. He's uh, a farmer who sells to the co-op named Eggman and he grows chicken eggs. And he's been somebody I've talked to for the past five years and just kind of gotten inspiration and advice from. And he had this walk-in cooler that he had gotten from Weaver Street Food Co-op um, over in like Carsboro, like 10 years ago. And he's like, do you guys want this? <laughs> we're like, yes. Yes, obviously. So, yeah. So we're really jazzed. Like we got that for free, which is just amazing. amazing. Yeah. And it just needs to be built now, <laughs> but it's going to make, you know, we were lucky last year on Craigslist. I found two like bigger, like style fridges, just like the normal, all, all fridge though, no freezer. So we found two of those for $200. So mm -hmm. we were able to use those last season, but this year, like with a crop plan and like more success <laughs> we're gonna need way more fridge space right so yeah. and it yeah, just scalability becomes a thing right like yeah know. and just not having to like you know a lot of like as you become better at farming really what you're doing is like you're goofing around less with things like especially when you're frugal and you just try to make things work you're trying to bootstrap things like you're not going out there just buying everything you need exactly when you need it it's like all right we can make this work you know and it's like that's been a lot of it but I I feel really good about that like with each year we're gonna have better systems mm -hmm. and then that will save us you know all these minutes each day of time we were fussing with something like we'll just be able to like put it in the walk-in <laughs> like not trying to like consolidate things into smaller plastic containers so we can make it all fit into the two fridges we have yeah that's huge I mean that's saving you time it's also helping with like the quality of your produce because the less you're handling it the better you know until you get it to market I mean yes yeah this is and you know not to mention just the amount of space so that much more produce that you're able to keep refrigerated I mean yeah that's that's a, definitely a game changer yeah. And then it's, you know, just then we still need to get the cool bot. So we're going to have to figure that out, figure, and we have to build it, which, you mm -hmm. know, hopefully <laughs> within two weeks, we'll have it all put together. Um, but yeah, getting the cool bot and then just figuring out, like, do we need to, like, it's, we try to still, like, we don't want to be running an air conditioner 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So still just trying to figure out like the harvesting, like just trying to keep that to two days at the end of the week, but then the weather, you know, it's like everything's so complicated, but right, just yeah, still trying right. to be mindful, be mindful about our energy that we're right. using. Yeah. So yeah. knowing like when you need to have stuff ready for market versus how many clear weather harvest days do you have leading up to that? You know, it just gets, yeah, it's, it's always like a juggle for sure. Um, <laughs> So I want to be mindful of your time because we're kind of coming up on like an hour here. Um, but maybe could, before we sign off, can you talk about just kind of what are you hoping for this year in terms of like what the farm is going to look like? Anything you're excited about that you want to share? Yeah. So I guess our big, big goals is to be able to pay Richard $150 a week as like a salary. So $600 a month. That is, I know other people think... are probably like, that doesn't seem like a lot. And I'm like, that's huge to go from like 
breaking last year to now him not having an off-farm job to hopefully being able to pull income from the business. Like that's a huge step for y'all. That's amazing. That's the goal. I haven't done it yet this year, but it is the time of the year where it's like, we just need to spend money, spend money. And we're not making a lot yet because we don't have crops yet. So, but that's, that's the big goal there. And then my side of it is really, I'm just working on making our farm look nice. (laughs) You know, like uh, all the little projects, like I'm really lucky that Richard can pretty much manage the farm work himself. Um, So I'm, you know, building my own garden and with a pond, with a pond, which I'm really excited about because I'm going to be growing in it um, some edibles that I've never grown before. I want to do water chestnuts and I have a water lily, so lotus root, and there's other edible water plants that I'm just excited to try. I'm going to do do a duckweed in it, which is like an algae that you can grow for chicken feed. So something to like help supplement our chickens uh, and give them more like homegrown protein, which will be awesome. Yeah. More variety. Um, and then also saving you guys money on the feed bill, hopefully too. Yeah. And you know, what I've read from it is like, it is just prolific. <laughs> so I'm excited about that. And then, you know, with the main reason I wanted a pond is because we have so many so much aquatic life or not aquatic life amphibians we have frogs and toads and lizards all over the place and just creating more habitat for them because you know they're doing a lot of work for us on our farm like they're Mm -hmm. running around eating bugs and whatnot and I just want to try to like provide them with a really good habitat so they continue to call our farm home and continue to like have babies here (laughs) and just it's really nice to like uh have that like emphasis on yeah a lot of farming is destruction and just trying to keep things from eating your stuff it feels like war sometimes and just trying to create more like harmony um I, I will still squish tomato hornworms like I'm not saying that's what I'm not doing like you know it's there's a balance to it though there's definitely a balance to it and with us not using any sort of pesticides um whatsoever aside from our fingers we need as many like free agents as we can get out right the the better uh environment you can give them to encourage them to hang around and and be on your side of the battle right yes (laughs) yeah but I think those I think that's the major projects and things are excited about we're just excited for the season to get started and yeah the walking cooler on the garden I'm excited for you guys um and I know anyone that's been following you along uh with your journey is excited too as you guys get closer and closer um to being debt free and just seeing your progress, um, you know, the, what you share each month about the farm finances and just what you're doing and everything you're up to, um, a lot of innovation. It's really exciting for me. Um, for those who are just hearing about you for the first time, can you tell us where can they find you online if they want to follow along? Sure. So, um, Instagram, you can find us at sun and sun and soil farm. And then I have a YouTube channel where I really have not been posting videos, but there are some old ones on there where you can kind of see the past. I tried it. I don't know. It's a whole nother project that I don't have time for, but there's some old stuff on there. And my YouTube channel is called the homesteading hiker. Okay. And so there's like our farm stuff is on there too. Um, and yeah, I have 
other like social media, like I have an account about the composting service and then um, I have one for the mealworms <laughs> that I'm growing now. Awesome. But yeah, I think, I think that's a major places. And okay. if you, if anybody has any questions or like is tell me more about this or that, like you can always, I love chatting with people. <laughs> so you can always message me on there and I love to connect with people. Awesome. Well, I will make sure we link all of that up in the show notes, as well as the uh, Anna White greenhouse plans for anyone that's heard us both gushing about it. Um, But yeah, thank you again so much, Brittany, for coming on. I think people hopefully got a lot out of this. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. All right. Thanks again so much, Brittany, for coming on the show and just being so open and sharing so much about the inner workings of y'all's farm. I really appreciate it. I hope that you all listening to this got a lot out of it and that you found it inspiring to think about this. If you're on your own journey, uh, wanting to vend at a market maybe, or just get something started in your local community. So many cool projects, right? Um, The composting project, the Anna White Greenhouse. um, I'll definitely post links to that in the show notes. We'll also have all of Brittany's links for Sun and Soil Farm. If you want to follow along with her and get to know her better, highly recommend that. And obviously, if you're near her in the North Carolina area, go find them and say hi to her at a market someday um, and check her out and see what they have going on there. Lots of great stuff. And then as always, you can find me online if you want to connect over at foxandelder.com. Lots of good stuff in the farm shop, updating that pretty often right now with new seasonal offerings. So please check that out. We're still doing the full moon zines. So if you want a nice cheery piece of snail mail once a month, you can check that out as well, either through the farm shop or by joining our Patreon. Again, links for that will be in the show notes. And yeah, I just hope y'all are doing great out there. This is just a wonderful time of year. I'm so full of energy, excited to be getting these podcasts out for y'all been interviewing lots of really cool people. I'm really excited to be sharing these with you. Hope you're getting out there in the garden. And as always, keep your hands dirty and your heart open.